0: Please put your hands together and welcome Pastor Howie.. Yeah, well, glory to God. Living, He loved me. Dying, he saved me and buried, he carried my sins far away. What's the rest? But rising, he justified me, me freed me forever. (laughs) And one day he's coming back. What a glorious day. (laughs) Hallelujah. Pastor Mike's quite the guy. He did something today that my wife didn't even do. Now, I'm not here to start a domestic or nothing like that, but uh, this morning, you heard what he said, he was torn between being here with me and being down there with his class. There's no question about it, but my wife did. She's down there with her class. (laughs) She couldn't have been torn too much. (laughs) and on top of that for the first time in 48 years she wasn't with me here to sing because guess what where's kim kim they had her down there learning a song with with liz singing uh the wise men song. So she wasn't here the first service, she's down there practicing, and she's not here, now she's teaching a class. And when I looked up and I saw her presence not here, well, it, it hurts, it doesn't hurt. Because I remember years ago I told that woman, I said, when you walk into a room, baby, the hands of time stand still. I was telling them that in a men's encounter, and one of the guys tried to repeat what I said, but he said it wrong. He said, Honey, when you come into the room, you got that kind of face that could stop a clock. <laughs> if you're going to say it, <laughs> say it right. <laughs> because if you get yourself in trouble, don't blame me, baby. <laughs> Brian Datter, Danter, D A N T E R. No. Well, I like what's said. See, the thing about it is when she's here, uh, I picked all the suit that I thought I was gonna wear and had it all laid out. And, and then when I got ready to get dressed, she said, don't wear that one. Even though she's not here, she, she's still controlling me somewhat. See, you're speaking about gold. That's your topic today. When I put it on, I looked in the mirror. I said, boy, you clean as a board of health. That's what I said. But I did decide not to... Have a song sung because she's not here then i thought well i get my baby girl share my youngest daughter she always stands in for me and guess what she's not here. they took her too <laughs> so i was going to quote a poem and i thought no i'm not even going to do that matter of fact i'm not going to do nothing let's preach but I- I thought about something. They said that Jesus was a sinless man. He lived a sinless life. And I want to talk about traditions. And one of them was that uh, he was married to a woman named Mary. So you could tell by the clothes that is depicted in that portrait that was by that great uh, artist. You could see where he is uh, seated and who's beside him. He says that feels is his wife. I don't know, all that. But I thought to myself, what would have happened if Jesus was married? Things would have be been a whole lot different, I think. Good morning, Pastor Rick. You told me you were going to be watching and for me to be on my best behavior. <laughs> <laughs> I what I I'm doing I even had my hair cut for this momentous occasion. My grandson picked me up Friday before o'clock. He said, Papa, I don't want you looking like a hedgehog. What do you know about a hedgehog? He said, I'm going to take you to the barbershop. You was there when I come in there. And said, uh, I'm going to pay for it. I said, but how much is a haircut now i said i remember paying 75 cents for a haircut <laughs> and then when it went to a dollar i was astonished at that and at a dollar 50 i decided to quit paying for haircuts that was january 1959 <laughs> so i went to used to be Uh, What's that? Uh, Woolco. Woolco on Dougal Road. Woolco, not Walmart, but Woolco. And I bought a set of clippers for $29.95. And I've been taking care of my own needs for the last 40-some years. And I said, Douglas, I don't want to pay that much money for a haircut because I can think of a whole lot of other things to do. He said, don't worry about it, Papa. I got you covered then took me to the barber, made me stay in the chair, then took pictures of me and posted I was nervous. I I wasn't really nervous. But he paid for it, yes he did. So here I am today. Because wise men, listen, and wise men, still seek him so today i'm supposed to be talking about one of the gifts that the wise men presented next week is pastor um uh, mike he's going to be talking about frankincense and then the following week dr j or pastor rj to you is going to be speaking about myrrh so my job is to kick it off so getting back to this point whether or not jesus was married that's a tradition, and I want to break some traditions today if I can, not to destroy Christmas. No. This just think, if Jesus had a wife. Now, my wife said to me many times, where are you going? I said, Well, I'm going to just go over here for a little what time are you coming back. I said, Oh, I'll be back at nine o'clock. No sense you tell me you're coming at nine o'clock, cause you won't be here till eleven. I know you. Oh, uh-huh. oh, well, why did you ask? <laughs> so, can you imagine if Jesus was married? Jack, you've been married a long time too. And suppose, just suppose, that his wife said, where are you going today, Jesus? I hope you ain't hanging around with them 12 guys that's always hanging around here again. And you know, there's something about that guy that carries the money I just don't like. I hope you can do better than the last time gone for 40 days and the best you could come up with is you out in the wilderness praying and fasting Woo! well he wasn't married a lot of traditional things that we see are based on some man's interpretation and a lot of times we try to build a tradition to make it fit God's word, but wise men, ever since the dawn of creation, have been seeking the Savior. Many scriptures deal with this topic, and I have been assigned. And the thing about it is, this is Kim's handwriting. If you could, if you know her writing, this is her handwriting up here. She gave me the scriptures to. Give me the topic. give what she Is this your handwriting or not, Desmond? Come here, Desmond. You know your wife's. No, you know your wife's handwriting. Come here, brother. Come on now. Uh, no, no. I, I put myself in the fire. Are you coming with me? Okay. <laughs> Is that her handwriting? No. Uh, um. <laughs> <laughs> it, it looks like it could be. <laughs> now that goes to prove I didn't write it. Even though Desmond didn't want to co sign it. But she gave me the series title Wise Men Still Seeking. Subtitled Who Are the Wise Men? Talk about the kingship of Christ. Gold Where is your treasure? Scripture, Matthew 2 1 to 15. So she told me how to start. Pastor Jake said, well, I want you to finish up with talking about who Jesus is, so I'll end up with what he said. And then somewhere in the middle, I'll get a chance to put something in that I want to say. (laughs) 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 Allow me, if you will, to attempt to make a few observations about the wise men. Now here's this word again, traditionally speaking, In almost every nativity scene that we see, even in that one behind me, you see three wise men, three kings riding three camels. But let me explain something to you, if you will. They were seeking after a star that they observed while in their own country. And like so many billboards across this world and around the nations of the world, we can read wise men still seek him. This is going to be a three-part series, like I said, with me, Pastor RJ, Dr. J, and uh, Pastor Mike. But I wonder how many times we picked up a tradition And try to make it the Word of God there are well-meaning people sometimes more mean than well that do that and we follow those traditions and based on these erroneous facts we have labored under the misconception that they were truth hearing and seeing this nativity scene depicted so many times, it was indelibly etched in my memory. And there was a time I would have argued with you about the fact that there were three kings on camels at the birth of Jesus. I would have literally sat down and disputed it with you who had myrrh, frankincense, and gold, these three kingly figures but let me say something first we know when jesus was well we know he was born we can agree on that but when and where i had some people in my class husband and wife team and and i hope you're in the first service so that you're not here now O'Brien, how are you? uh, And it wasn't him. By no means it wasn't him. But I was teaching the class and I brought up a point and they told me, oh no, Pastor Howie, that's not right. He said, that's not the way it was in the Ten Commandments. What did you just say? I I cranked my head sideways like a country mule staring at a streetcar. What did you just tell me? That's not the way it was in the movie The Ten Commandments. I said, "Um, can I just say this? That was just some producer's interpretation of the scripture. They wanted to continue on the argument. You know what they said to me? Well, they would have to have done some research in order to make a movie like that. I said, look, I'm not going to argue with you. The Bible is the word of God. Either you believe it or you don't. End of discussion. Cecil B. Mills was not there when Jesus was born. I had to admit that I wasn't either. But the fact is, God's word is true. So getting back to my assignment, we all agree that Jesus was born. The question is when and where and who was there to witness this historical event. Another contentious debate is whether or not Jesus was born on the 25th day of December. I said, look, the importance should lie on the fact that he was born. But if you want to pinpoint it, so this, I can't argue this because I don't know myself, but just let me give you some historical facts. I'm talking to them, but you can hear this conversation secondhand. They said, well, go ahead. I said, well, let me think about this for a second. Now, Jewish culture during the time of Christ's birth was that the shepherds were not out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night from during the rainy season, that is from October, November, not back until after April, the Passover, when they'd go back out into the fields. So since December 25th falls during that time, it's hard-pressed to make it fit. Now, there was a ceremony that the Romans celebrated when they would celebrate the lengthening of days, or the the December or the winter solstice. And that event took place somewhere between the December 17th and December 24th. And they chose that day, just because it was already a celebration day, to commemorate Christ's birth. In Hebrew culture, these shepherds were more than just shepherds. I'm not here to debate the, the fact about wise men, who brought what and why, but allow me to continue to lay my foundation. And if you would put up the scripture for me, St. Luke chapter two, verses one to 21. And then after that, I wanna direct your attention to St. Matthew chapter two. And this is what it says in St. Luke, this great doctor, said, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Serenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into their own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, to be taxed with Mary, his ex wife, because he was of the lineage of David. And while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and then laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Scripture went on to say, and there was in the same country shepherds abiding in the field keeping watch over the flock by night and the angel of the Lord appeared unto them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid and the angel said fear not for behold I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel. A multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And when the angels had gone back into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go even now into Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known. Unto us, And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made it known abroad of all things that was told them by the angels concerning this child. And when the shepherds returned home all they that heard it wondered at those things that was told them by the shepherds but mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart and when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child his name was called jesus which was so named by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. From that passage of scripture we just read, did you see or hear of any other human beings being at the birth of Christ? You saw Mary and Joseph, even the shepherds weren't. These guys were more than just shepherds. I did a little looking into it. They were shepherd priests. Huh, I got your attention. Listen, why was it necessary for the angel to make two references to swaddling clothes, speaking to these shepherds? They weren't ignorant or uneducated. They knew as shepherds, they would understand a sacrificial lamb a sacrificial lamb had to be without blemish. So when it was born, they would take swaddling clothes and wrap that lamb from head to foot, leaving just his face out to breathe and eat so that it would be ready for the offering of sacrifice. These shepherds understood what the angels were saying, When they went there and they found this babe, the sacrificial lamb of God, wrapped head to foot in swaddling clothes, they knew the importance of it. Now, let me go to Matthew chapter 2. Verses 1 to 11. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem and during the days of Herod the king, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. So he called all the priests and all the scribes and then he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And when they told him it was in Bethlehem of Judea, for it was written in the prophets, He sent the wise men there, well, there it is up there, Thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah, art now the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called for the wise men, told them to diligently search until they have found him, and then come and bring him word so that he also could come and worship him, which was very far from the truth. And they went into Bethlehem after being sent by Herod. And this is what it says. Go search diligently for the young child when you have found him, Bring me word again that I too may also come and worship him. And they had heard what the king said. They saw the star again. And before them, that star traveled to Bethlehem where he was. Verse 10 and 11 is the verses that I want to focus on here. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced just like the shepherds did. It was exceeding joy. And verse 11, and when they were come into the house, they found the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their gifts, they presented to him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Who are these wise men? And where did they come from? Well, from this passage of scripture, we learned that they came from the east of Jerusalem. And their only objective was to worship the king. For some apparent reason, they were aware of Jesus' birth in their homeland. But the king right there was oblivious to it. And tradition, here we go with that word again, tradition says there were three kings from the Orient, three kings. I looked at Kim. I know they're singing this song. You know, she's special to me. I can stay stuff. I can tease her, but she understands where I'm coming from. They say there were three kings from the Orient. From my school days, when I went to school, they taught me that the Orient was China, India, China, Far East. But tradition says that they came from Saudi Arabia. Because Saudi Arabia was rich with gold and frankincense and myrrh. But look on the map. Saudi Arabia is south of Jerusalem. The scripture says came from the east. And since there was no kingdoms east of Jerusalem at Jesus' birth, who were these men? Were they really kings? We see the word magi which comes from the Greek word magus, which is also in relationship to a Hebrew word called chakum, all referring to what we now call magi, astrologers, soothsayers, where we get our word magic from. In the time of Daniel, they had Chaldeans, soothsayers, and magicians. So is it possible that these men could have been descendants of those people that were there whose lives Daniel spared by interpreting the dream? And could they have passed it down 700 and whatever it is, 50 years I think it is, to this particular generation? I don't know. Again, one of their own prophets, and Isaiah said, "See, King Balak, east of Jerusalem, sent for a prophet, Balaam, who lived up in the mountains east of Jerusalem, to come and curse the Israelites. And when he came, he tried several times, but it didn't work. Translated from the Greek word. We find all these words that we can look at to mean magi. Anyway, they came to Jesus arriving. Get this. We heard it from the scripture. Approximately two years later. And then when they came, they didn't go to Bethlehem where the baby was born. They came to Jerusalem to the king's door 5 miles away. Can you imagine that? These guys traveled who knows how far. We don't know how far they came from, so we can't tell. Uh, we don't know where they came from or how long they traveled. But let's just say they traveled hundreds of miles. And they came within 5 miles of their target without GPS, without computers. Kind of instruments did they have? Or were they just guided by God? Anyway, a soothsayer or a magi denotes followers of Zoroastrianism. There was this ancient philosopher named Zoroaster who lived east of Jerusalem. And he was a religious man that taught philosophy based on the teachings of prophet Zerister. he was formerly among the world's largest religions these were men of great learning called magi from which we get the Greek word megados where we get our English word magic looking back further from the old Persian word magapate was this little given priest set of ancient Persian religion called Zoroastrianism who were astrologers. Now back then astrology and astronomy were the same as far as science was concerned. So now these men, they see this unusual star, a supernova maybe, or maybe just the aligning of several planets or a special star that was uh, created for that particular moment. But they are now en route to the birth of a special king. Western tradition gives these three kings, in fact, names, if there were three. I was in a play that was put on by somebody here at the church one time. and. I played the part of Gaspar. Then there was Melchor and Balthazar. As I looked at this, thinking there couldn't have been just three, I found in the Syrian tradition, their names were Gusev, Horsedus, and Larvadin. Whoa, I thought there was them. No, then they said, hang on a minute. Their other names is Banastar, Karsadan and Hor. I kept going back and I found Horsemith Dow, Perizy, and Yazagird. I stopped looking. One thing for certain, regardless as to what their names were, I believe there was probably more than three. The items they brought were three. Maybe that's when we get the idea, the connotation that they were just three and we've labored out of that misconception. It could have been 30. Each, each one, 10 of them, each one bringing 10 gifts for the same thing. We don't know? And we can't base a religion or a philosophy on that. Anyway, something else, they're kings. How many kings, theoretically speaking, would leave their kingdom and for a couple of years, follow a star over hills and mountains and across deserts. And travel alone with all these precious gifts. Does it make sense to you? Not to me. I have an inquisitive mind. I, I wanted to look at it a little bit further. Then I thought they would have to have shepherds to herd the sheep's or cattle that they would use for food in this who knows how many days journey. Then they would have to have butchers to slaughter the cattle and then cooks to prepare it. And if in fact they had all this money and these precious gems that they presented to Christ, they would need some type of protection. They'd have a a caravan of soldiers or at least Somebody to protect them from these villains, thieves, and cutthroats. They had to have a very good working knowledge of the Hebrew language. And these people from Zoroaster, these men, they did. They understood prophecy, and I think it was handed down from Daniel. Herod didn't know. Here these men come to Herod's doorstep, the king himself, who should have known, but he didn't. And when they come to his doorstep, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him, as we've seen here. And he demanded of the chief priests and scribes where Christ should be born. And they gave him a description of his power and what he was going to do. Verse 8, and upon finding out, sent them to Bethlehem with orders to bring him word so he could come and worship him too, meaning also. Even though back in that society, the term magi, where we get our word magician, had these connotations of uh, cultic studies. But there's no indication here that they practice sorcery or even claim magical powers. All that we know about these priestly kings or whoever they were, leading me to believe they were more priestly than kings because they studied the scripture. They studied the Old Testament, which King Herod did not do. And they didn't gain anything from their travel. But they said, we have come to worship him. No record suggests, but obviously they were wealthy or East had wealth to support them. Whether they traveled for two years or not, it satisfied Herod enough to kill all the male babies two years and under. It could have taken two years for them to put such a, a, a journey together, who knows. But. Two years after the birth of Jesus, upon their arrival in Bethlehem, verse 10, after seeking the star again, when they were come into the house, get this, they found the young child, not baby, not in a manger in Bethlehem, but when they came into the house, they found the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him not in a manger and when they opened their treasures they presented unto him gifts of gold frankincense and myrrh but being warmed in a dream they were told don't go home the same way you came go home another way and they did also God gave a dream to Joseph and told him to take your wife and child and flee into Egypt because Herod wants to kill him. You know, it's really funny, not funny, but thought-provoking, that the nation of Israel begin their heritage in Egypt. Scripture says, I called my son out of Egypt. Their natural heritage. Now we see why the scripture is going to say in hosea 11 verse 1 which is the law of double reference i called my son out of egypt because god is now telling joseph to take his son spiritual son now and go into egypt and the scripture went on to say i called my son now i know hosea was talking to about the nation of israel being led up by moses but this law of double reference comes in. He was also talking about Jesus being called out. You can find it later in the scripture of Egypt. So they presented him with gold. Why gold? Maybe it was because Joseph needed to finance his stay in Israel for a couple of years. They could have used the money for that. I really don't know. Three particular items, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold represents something that you would offer to a king. Myrrh would indicate burial, prophetically speaking, how he was going to die. And then frankincense, a beautiful fragrance that would be offered up to God to appease the just demands of a righteous God. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh, prophet, priest, and king. The priests with the incense, the prophet, the myrrh, and the gold representing the king. That is the three titles that Jesus held or holds in the Old Testament, that is prophet, that is priest, and that is king. Well, I can't touch on what the others are going to talk about, but I will talk about gold, this treasure. What makes it unique and valuable? A single ounce of gold. I don't have many of them. Actually, I don't have any of them, but... But a single ounce of gold, that would be roughly the size of a cube of sugar selling on today's market for $1,000. Why gold? Because it's malleable. If you understand that terminology, you can spread it without it cracking. Of the 118 elements in the periodic table. Gold is probably the most appeasing to the human eye. It's also ductile, meaning it stretches without breaking. Water can't rust it. You can leave it at the bottom of the ocean for years and go back and find it the same way. And the air can't tarnish it. What is the comparison between gold and the king? Nothing can distract from the beauty of great goodness of God. He's of great value of no compare. These pagan priests would travel for miles. And you know what? What made their journey even more perilous? They journeyed that night. Think about it. How many of you have seen stars in the daytime? So they would travel that night. That's sound effect to help Make the, set the ambience for the next part of the message. How many of you, they traveled at night, making it that much more difficult? But what is your gift? What are you bringing? Wise men and women still seek him? Do you seek him? What are you bringing to him? Luke chapter 19, verse 10 says, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. They were seeking Jesus. Now Jesus is seeking us. What is precious to you? Where is your treasure? Christ in you. The hope of glory. Gold can be found throughout the world. And Jesus, our hidden treasure, can be found throughout the book of the Bible. In Genesis, he's the seed of the woman. In Exodus, the Passover lamb. Leviticus, the high priest. Numbers, a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. In Deuteronomy, the prophet like unto Moses. Joshua, the captain of our salvation. In Judges, the judge and lawgiver. Ruth, our kinsman redeemer. First and second Samuel, he's a trusted king. First and se- I mean, the, the prophet. First and second Chronicles and first and second Kings, he's a reigning king. In Ezra, the faithful scribe. Nehemiah, the rebuilder of the broken wall. Esther, our Mordecai. Job, our living redeemer. Psalms, the Lord our shepherd. Proverbs and ecclesiastics, he's wisdom. Isaiah said he's the Prince of Peace. Psalms of Solomon said he's the lover and bridegroom. Ezekiel, he's the fourth faced man, four-faced man. And Daniel, he's the fourth man in the fiery furnace. Hosea, the faithful husband, forever Mary, to the backslider. Joel, the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. Amos, our burden bearer. Obadiah, the Lord mighty to save. Jonah, the great foreign missionary. Micah, the messenger of beautiful feet. Nahum, our avenger, excuse me. Habakkuk, Lord pleading for revival. Zephaniah, he's our savior. Haggai, the restorer of the lost heritage. Zechariah, the fountain opened in the house of David. And Malachi, the son of righteousness, rising with healing in his wings. Matthew, that hidden treasure, was the Messiah. Luke, the wonder worker. Matthew, the Messiah. Mark, the wonder worker, Luke, the son of man, John, the son of God, Acts, the Holy Ghost, Romans, the justifier, first and second Corinthians, the sanctifier, and Galatians, he's our redeemer. Ephesians, the Christ of unsearchable riches, Philippians, the God who supplies all our needs, Colossians, the fullness of the Godhead Bodily, First and Second Thessalonians, He is our soon coming King. First and Second Timothy, the Chief Shepherd who soon shall appear. Titus, the faithful Pastor. Philemon, the friend of the oppressed. Hebrews, the blood of the everlasting Covenant. James, the Lord who heals the sick. First to Third John, He's love. And in Revelations, He is the King of king and the Lord of lords. He is the beginning and the ending. He's the first and the last. He's the keeper of creation and the creator of all. He's the architect of the universe and the manager of all times. He always was. He always is. And he always will be. Unmoved unchanged, undefeated, but never undone. He was bruised and brought healing. He was pierced and eased pain. He was persecuted and brought freedom. He was dead and brought life. He was risen and brought power. He reigns and it brings peace. The world can't understand him. Armies can't defeat him. The schools can't explain him. The leaders can't ignore him and hear it. Couldn't kill him. The Pharisees could not confuse him. The people couldn't hold him. Nero couldn't crush him. Hitler couldn't silence him. The new age cannot replace him. And Oprah cannot explain him. (laughs) He is light. He's love. He's longevity. And Lord, you cannot outlive him. And you can't live without him. He's goodness, kindness, gentleness in God. He's holy, righteous, mighty, powerful, and pure. He was, is, and will be. He is eternal. He's unchanging. And his mind is on me and you. He's our redeemer. He's our guide. He's our peace. He's our joy, he's our comfort. All these precious things about him. He's my Lord and he rules our lives. He's the same one the wise men were seeking so many years ago. What makes him so precious and pure? He's the alpha and the omega. The beginning and the ending. The first and the last. No water can drown him. No fire can burn him. No wind can blow him away. He's water when you're thirsty, bread when you're hungry and shelter in the time of storm. He's a bridge over troubled water. He's a sweet rose of Sharon. He's a lily of the valley. He's a bright and morning star. And that name that was given him by the angels before he was conceived in the womb made it all perfectly clear. His name is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And he is the son of the living God. (sighs) Amen. That's it. Well, nothing else to do. Father, as we prepare our hearts to leave this place, but not your presence, I pray you would take us to our several different homes and bring us back at the appointed time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.